This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or any other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of any existing agency agreement. West Coast, cool breeze, old hands, cold feet, I can't forget the moment that I left you. Awesome, and welcome back to the show, guys. Uh, back by popular demand, we have uh, Jen and Jeff Nelson joining us again and gracing, uh, gracing us Sorry, uh, with their time. How are you guys doing? Good, how are you? Thank you for having us back. Yeah, um, we're excited too. Um, Wanted to get you guys back on. We had a really great discussion over a couple episodes of just, you know, talking about planning uh, or managing uh, as well as life insurance. So we wanted to kind of get you back uh, to more talk about, you know, the debt consolidation and just, Mm -hmm. you know, the different end or maybe the more practical end, I guess, I guess we should say. Um, And uh, yeah, super excited to have you guys back. Yeah, let's, um, yeah. Sorry, based on what Austin said, let's jump right into debt because no one likes to talk about debt, let's be honest. Yep. But most people, maybe I shouldn't say most people, a lot of people don't know how to manage debt properly mm-hmm. and don't realize, I, I think, don't realize the value in debt. Mm-hmm. I don't think mm-hmm. debt is a bad thing necessarily. Right. It's how you utilize that debt. And, and what your debt is in. Yes, <laughs> yeah, exactly. absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. based on what I said, what would you think of some good examples of like utilizing debt the right way? Yeah, I mean, to purchase uh, investment properties, for example, that's yeah. a good debt if it's paying you. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think? I think a big part of it is, like you said, what's a good debt versus yeah. what's a bad debt? Yeah. Because I think when we think of debt so often, it's the bad debt, right? We're thinking about credit card debt. We're yeah. thinking about all the compound interest debts. We're thinking about the bad debts. Where I think, like you said, definitely there's ways to leverage and utilize it, especially when it comes to things like real estate. Mm. It's not that having that debt is a bad thing. It's how, yeah, exactly, is it paying you? Yeah, okay. That makes sense. Um, so you, you mentioned a couple examples of yeah. Obviously, credit cards being mm-hmm. the big one because mm-hmm. just simply because of the interest rate being as high as it yeah. is, right? So, yeah. what I want to ask you then, with that being said, is when it comes to tackling debt, and you have clients that come to you and say, "Hey, yeah. this is my situation. What approach do you like to take with them?" Yeah, I mean, obviously, case by case. I think a good way to start is line them all up, figure out highest interest rate first, right. and you can work on the snowball, right? Where you tackle the biggest one, mm-hmm. move that payment over to the next one, and just take away the debt based on the interest rate. Um, worst case scenario, we can obviously look at doing consolidation or we can look right. at uh, consumer proposal if that's really what it comes down to. Yeah. Um, but the snowball effect, the snowball tactic, I guess, is definitely the best way to start if you can. Because right. it doesn't affect your credit. Yeah. yeah. We often have clients that come to us and we sit down and they have debt in multiple different areas and they don't fully understand the interest rates on their debt. They don't fully understand exactly what's happening. They just know they're getting buried under these revolving payments that are interest only. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing that we do first with people is sit down with them and lay it all out. You know, the good, the bad, the ugly. What does it all look like? What are all these interest rates? What are all those things? And then how can we consolidate all of this for somebody Mm -hmm. to make it one more manageable payment? Or when we're looking at, say, maybe somebody who already owns a home, especially now if you were lucky enough to buy a home five, ten years ago, what kind of yeah yeah, what kind of equity do you have in the home is there something that we can do to leverage that equity to bring those payments down 
that's going to give you more breathing room. Now we can reallocate funds forward for you so that you can do better things with it. Yeah, and I think, sorry, Austin, I think what Jen's saying here is that mortgage debt, that's what we're talking about here in terms of financing, isn't bad debt if it's utilized the right way. Correct. And because mortgage interest rates tend to be much lower than Mm -hmm. credit card interest rates, it's a good way to pay off some of that debt. Mm -hmm. I mean, imagine having $100,000 in equity. Like, that's a lot that you can put towards paying off debt. Exactly, yep. Well, oh, sorry. No, go for it. Yeah. No, I was going to say, too, the other thing is really looking at, are we looking at simple interest or are we looking at compound interest? And a lot of people don't even fully understand, is it compound? Is it simple? Do you want to give, sorry, I'm going to jump in. Do you want to give a quick definition or kind of just high-level explanation of those? Yeah, so we always, when we're talking to people, we always say you want it to compound when it comes to something like an investment. You want simple when it comes to something like a debt. Uh, so that's always like the rule of thumb that I give to people. But compound would be basically when it's compounding and then you are paying on that interest as well. And that's also compounding. Right. Where simple is you're just paying on that principal initial pay or that whatever you may owe. Right. Is that making sense? It does make sense, yeah. So it's like a GIC versus like a mutual fund or a seg fund where the GIC is going to pay you a lump sum at the end of the year. Right. Whereas compound is more, it's, it's an annual accumulation. Or sorry, monthly sometimes as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Makes sense. How much when you guys are sitting down with people, and I'm sure you do this, and maybe you guys can, you know, talk about this in a little bit more detail. How much of it is, you know, you sitting down with somebody and you know really going through their expenses and saying like, hey, what are you spending your money on? (laughs) Um, You know, there's so many subscriptions, things like that, and those all add up. You know, so many other things you can pay for, whether that's you know fitness memberships or Mm Netflix or you know some of those other bills um, What is your guys's process when you sit down with people and I'm sure it's different if it's um, You know, maybe somebody that's you know self-employed has a business and maybe utilizing some of these different tools uh, versus um, You know somebody that's maybe employed or, or whatever, but uh, just generally can you walk me through your guys approach when you sit down with somebody from that perspective so in terms of looking at where their money is actually going, is yeah. that kind mm-hmm. of the question? Yeah. You want to answer? Yeah. You want to I guess that, yeah. that's also what kind of leads to the quote-unquote debt. So do you, right. uh, if that makes sense, because it's like you're looking at your bill at the end, it's like, okay, what caused us to get here? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I'll, I'll have a lot of clients even say to me too, like, I should have X amount of dollars at the end of the yeah. day, and I don't know where my money went. Mm-hmm. And that's when we do kind of need to take that inventory with people a little bit, sit down and go, line by line, bill by bill, and you know, where is that money going? Where is the extra? What should there actually be? And actually, it's funny you say subscriptions. That's something that more often than not, people are floored at the end of the day by how much they are actually spending on yeah. on them. They don't even realize. Because it's, yeah, 20 bucks on this, and it's $10 on that, and yeah. at the end of the month, they don't realize they're, they're spending 150 bucks on these different subscriptions they right. didn't know they had, right? So totally. just even opening people's eyes to those sorts of things. So we do, we'll sit down and we'll do a full analysis, not with everybody, but with certain clients who do need it, and mm-hmm. we'll figure out where things are for sure. Yeah, and just, yeah. you know, the $5 coffees once, twice a day. Mm-hmm. All you're that stuff of, You're making up. fun of my Starbucks again. <laughs> well, again? I, just keep them with the trend. Yeah. But it all adds up, and it's stuff you don't think about because it is five bucks, ten bucks, twenty bucks. Yeah. At the end of the month, it could be eight hundred thousand dollars. You didn't even realize. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. So that's huge. On that point, actually, I'll add on to that in a positive way. What we often will do with people then, and we'll kind of joke, is we want to put money somewhere good for them that they can't see. Right. 
right? Mm -hmm. So when we're setting up accounts for people, when we're setting up investments for people, we'll set them up in a way that makes sense for them, but in something where it's a bi-weekly or it's a monthly or even a weekly transfer, Mm -hmm. where then if you don't really realize that money is going out for whatever that subscription maybe those kinds of things well now that money is actually going towards saving for a first home it's going right. towards a tax-free savings it's going towards good things right yeah, so. yeah. i think um obviously not in the same line of work that you guys do but mm-hmm. i think in general people would be shocked if you were to sit down and go through your last month two mm-hmm. months three months six months of expenses yep. and just kind of you know go through with a highlighter and just yeah. you know highlight what you probably didn't need yeah add up that money at the end uh, and you know you you I think you'd be shocked yeah uh, and not in a good way um, of just you know when you look at it from that perspective it, it gives you the ability to kind of reflect and be like okay so now you can physically see it mm-hmm. then you can make actionable changes yeah exactly it's almost like they need that shock factor to kind of spur the change to totally. right. show them like hey this yeah. is where the money is actually going yeah hold that and- page up and if it's like 90% yellow <laughs> changes yeah. totally sure. right yeah. well I think prioritize too right when it comes to money and it comes to finance and expenses obviously there's things that you have to be paying for right. we need to live we need to yeah. eat we need to drive our cars yeah. but then it becomes a matter of what's actually a priority for you right? right so if somebody's priority is I want to get into my first home then we really need to look at where can we reallocate funds to make that yeah. happen right or if it's for me and I'm joking around about how I want my next pair of shoes. Right. <laughs> you know, it's just a matter of priority and we just help people set the goals for that and then find the money to allocate towards that. Yeah. And I think like right now, because things are more expensive than they happen, inflation mm-hmm. is obviously running rampant, but it's gotten yeah. better. Um, it puts even more stress on the fact that you need to be a little bit careful when it comes to spending your money because yeah. there's less money available than there was in the past. Right? Yeah. Those extra expenses. So I think that's really important as well. Um, And just I want to say something about what you just said, Jen. Um, I think it comes down to willingness. Like, are you willing to give up that? Are you willing to pass on that coffee so that you can get a little bit closer to where you want to be when it comes to buying a home? Or if you're, I don't know, you want to buy a new car. I mean, we're a real estate podcast, so we're promoting more of buying (laughs) homes and buying cars. But um, Well, and I I think with that too, I think that stems from, you know, one of the go-to books when we talk about, you know, finance and business, I think is Rich Dad, Poor Dad. You know, it's, uh, uh, you know, I've, I've read it, uh, and listened to the audio book. I think mm-hmm. you guys probably have as well. Yeah. I read it when I was 13. Yeah. Okay. You I, read it since. I, I read it a few yeah. times, but that's when I first read it. That's what started this whole long yeah. process. Yeah. 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 Well, I did not read it when I was 13 and that probably <laughs> Sorry, I was trying to one up you again. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I probably should have done that then. But I, th- I think what people are really trying to like navigate towards is the almost, I don't want to say modern version of that because he, he, this is kind of like a thought I've been workshopping, right? Like when you're talking about buying assets versus liabilities, like you yeah. need a, you need a car, right? Yep. You need to be able to get around and you can go to your car dealership and get a used car that's got yep. however many amount of kilometers on it, all that kind of stuff. Um, but do you want to be sinking one grand, two grand, yep. three grand, you know, whether that's a couple times a year into that in order to maintain it versus mm-hmm buying something that is brand new that maybe yeah you have warranty and maintenance and stuff on where's that fine line are you paying for that convenience and certainty there's something very peaceful about having a newer vehicle and Mm -hmm. you know it is a privilege to be able to you know purchase something like that but there is some convenience to walking out to my car every morning and knowing that it's going to turn on and there probably won't be an issue obviously there's things that happen yeah where do you and 
I guess maybe one of the questions is balancing that between, you know, I don't need a $110,000 brand new car. Right. What makes sense? And I think people are looking for the answers to kind of navigate that path. What is the advice that you give to people when you're working with them on things mm -hmm. like that? Yeah. It's tricky one. It, well, it's, yeah, it's just kind of, yeah. It's, it's, case by it's, case. There's a lot of layers to it. Um, it just depends on budget. It depends on income and it depends on their goals and how aggressive yeah. they are on their goals. Yeah. Like, do they want a, a house so they want to spend money on a used car to have more to go towards the house? Mm -hmm. And then they have it in savings so if something happens to the car, mm -hmm. yeah, it sucks to pull some out, but you have that option. Yeah. Right. But because of compound interest, you would be getting closer to your goal mm -hmm. versus spending 50, 60 grand on a brand new car mm -hmm. and having a thousand bucks a month in car payments so you can only put 300 away a month for a house. Yeah. As an mm -hmm. example. Yeah. And I guess that right. also goes down to like what you need versus what you want. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah for sure. Um, you know, the, the BMW or the Mercedes looks good <laughs> when you're driving around, but yeah. you know, can you get away where, you know, does the something that's substantially less that does the function over fashion, mm -hmm. does that make more sense? I guess. Yeah. Right. I mean, really, that still comes down to matter of priorities. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think as well, it's this whole, the whole keeping up with the Joneses thing, right? Yeah, a lot of people right. think, hey, that guy next door has the Mercedes, so I also need a Mercedes. or, And hey, I want a Mercedes. Like, I'm not knocking any specific car brand, right? I'm kind of joking. But I sat down with enough people and looked at their expenses to know that you'd be floored at the amount of people that are paying seven, eight, nine hundred dollars a month in car payments. Yeah you know, at nine, 10, 11% interest. And can we get you into something that is maybe costing you half of that or even less than half of that, your interest is lower. Sure. And now maybe you do have it in your budget to take that other half and we're putting it away for a home, for retirement, those right. kinds of things, yeah. reallocating, right? So there's lots of options. Let's talk about one thing real, real quick while we stay on the topic of mm -hmm. cars. So those car payments are gonna affect your ability to borrow as well. Yes. It's what's called debt servicing. You have to yeah. be able to pay that debt every month. And a lender is going to say, okay, well, we know that you have to pay that. So we know that you can't pay that amount towards mm -hmm. mortgage. Yeah. Therefore, you can't have as much available to you from a mortgage standpoint. Mm -hmm. So that $900 payment, if we cut that down to $400, $500, mm -hmm. you can now spend that extra money on mortgage. Yeah. Right? So I think that's something that's really valuable for people to know. Can I ask you a question on that? Yeah. What are you seeing now, trends, in terms of um, people's people getting approved? Mm -hmm. Because I know in the whole 2008 thing, people were getting overextended on their approvals, yeah, right. and that was a whole fiasco. Mm -hmm. Obviously, more in the States than in Canada, but yeah. I think it still did happen here. Like, I know people that bought zero down. Right. So, like, now, obviously, that's not a thing, but can you maybe elaborate on that a bit? Like, how important is debt servicing, and what should it be before you go and look at buying a house? Actual ratios? Yeah. Yeah, okay, absolutely. Um, so going back to what you said, first of all, zero down is not a thing. Correct. Mm -hmm. just want to get that off yeah, no. yeah. my chest, first of all. But you can get in with as little as 5% down, yep. which is still very manageable for a lot of people. Um, that's going to require mortgage insurance, and we're not going to go into detail of what that is right now. But right. Um, to answer your question, th yeah, they put a lot of protections in place in terms of um, making sure that people aren't over leveraged yeah. right um, so typical ratios for debt servicing are what we call gross debt servicing as well as total debt servicing so gross debt servicing is basically how much does it cost you for that home so when I say okay. that let's say you bought a townhouse that townhouse is going to cost you X amount as a monthly payment 
it's going to have a maintenance fee associated with it right. and it's going to have a heating cost associated with it as well as your property taxes so those are going to combine to make up a number and now we're going to take that number and we're going to we're going to compare it to what your total income is and when i say total income i mean for all borrowers okay. so let's say your total income is ten thousand dollars per month mm -hmm. for all borrowers so you're allowed to debt service up to 39 percent of that gross or net gross okay yeah so that's just on the house costs though okay so then so what that means in this case because those are very simple numbers is yeah. you can afford thirty nine hundred dollars towards home payments Got which it. again are those things we just mm -hmm. talked about and then total debt servicing that's where we start to get into those other liabilities right or debts which are the car payments the credit card payments the line of credit i mean there is like your cell phone but that's not really included in there like yeah. because it's it's not something that's required from a lender mm -hmm. um but total debt servicing isn't actually that much more it's 44 percent right so that's only extra five percent that you now have to make up all those other debts right so i think that's probably the number that matters you have five percent on top of your home costs that you can put towards other debts so you want to go into it with five percent so of your income as expenses like 10, that's five hundred dollars yeah wow. five hundred dollars a month you can afford to spend on top of what you're already spending on your home wow right like yeah. that's that is tough, but it's good for people to know because I yeah. think so many people, again, like we talked about this last time, they don't know. They feel lost. They don't know who to ask, yeah. and they don't know what that number even looks like. So how do they start? For sure. And so, let me, let me say one more thing about yeah. that. So that's what we call like prime lending or A lending. Yep. So that's the lending that you are going to get the best rates. You're going to get the best products. Now, that's not to say other products aren't good. And other products, which we call like B lending, will yeah. then extend ratios where you start to see more of like the 50-50. Got it. Which that's where it gets, you're gonna pay a bit of a premium on the rate, but there's still more opportunity for other people because mm -hmm. not everyone's gonna be able to debt service at 39.44. Yeah. So they have to make it achievable for other people as well. But what's key is you can't, you need a minimum 20% down now. Right. Which nowadays, that's a lot of money, so. And don't forget we're talking gross, so that's before tax. Right. So how that's much tax are you paying? Tax, exactly. Another three grand? So can I take this and jump back to the last episode we did on life insurance Please. a little bit for people that are going to listen to all of them? So one of the reasons I get so excited, because Austin made fun of me for bouncing around in my chair. Yeah. About, and I called you the Energizer Bunny, yes. to be more specific. I was, very, I was very excited. And I do get very excited and passionate because we can use life insurance as a vehicle to create wealth, not only for our children, but our children's children, right? We're looking right. generationally speaking when we talk in, in see, I'm getting excited again, yeah. permanent life insurance. Yeah. But when you're talking about it being liabilities versus assets, all those kinds of things, and being able to leverage and lend or borrow when you're talking about purchasing a home. So say we've taken a young child, again, as young mm -hmm. as is 10, 15 days old? 15. 15 days old. Yep. And we've set up a life insurance policy for them. Right. We're putting whatever it may be, a couple hundred dollars a month away for them. We're building something so that down the road, say now this child is 30 years old and they want to go purchase their first home, they now have a cash value that they can leverage. They get to become their own bank. They get to borrow from themselves right. and leverage that tax-free. And now it's not going against them as a liability. Yes. And then they get to either continue having that money be borrowed until they pass away and that life insurance is going to pay that back for them or they can actually pay it back to themselves there's lots of different ways they can do it but it's a way to set them up so that down the road they have a different strategy they have a different way of utilizing it and a lot of people don't know they can do this yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. and there's definitely limits obviously on insuring children but one thing that um, most people don't know is that 
a child can get insured to up to half of the amount that their parents are insured. So if a parent has $10 million of life insurance, the child can have $5 million, mm -hmm. just because, that's just based the, on that. That's a cap. That's a cap. Case, yeah. So obviously, if you're talking about generational wealth and building that wealth, like that's what that's for. Yeah. yeah. And then once that child becomes an adult, then they can Purchase increase more. their policy. Yeah. 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 Exactly, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people just don't know that you can. So right. if people that are listening to this have young children or they're planning on having young children, it's something for them to understand when they're looking at their futures. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. No, I mean, again, going back to the whole mortgage space, like mm -hmm. having assets are valuable. They don't yeah. necessarily get you that home, but they make you a better applicant. Because what people have to realize, when you apply for a mortgage, it's more than just sending them some documents and telling them that, these people are good, good uh, borrowers. Like you got to sell it. It's a story, right? And if yep. you have those assets and you have those things behind you, it makes you a lot more likely to be able to get that mortgage. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Yeah. Because they want to know at the end of the day they're going to get their money. Exactly. That's yeah. what it all comes down to. Yeah. They want to see that you're going to make that payment every month or every two weeks or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. No, I. Um, one thing I was just going to say, obviously, uh, a step or so ago when we were talking about, oh, well, you know, you don't need this or you don't need that when it comes to vehicles or, or things. Mm -hmm. We're not here to tell you, obviously, yeah. how to how to spend your money. <laughs> we're just saying, like, hey, if there's ways that you can maybe be better with it and help turn some of those, mm -hmm. you know, other additional expenses that maybe aren't deemed as necessary and you can start to make that work for you yeah. or help you right. get into, you know, whatever you want to do, That that's where that's coming from. Right. But anyway. <laughs> Well, I think too on that note, because there's kind of the joke about millennials and what's mm. the next one, Gen X and stuff like, oh, please, you know, take away my avocado toast because, yeah, that's going to get me into a house. And yeah, it's yeah. a joke. And again, it comes back to, to priorities when it, it comes to all that. And obviously we're not telling people how to do things, but we, I think, want people to understand that it is more doable than they're being made to believe. Yeah. And by sitting down with a good broker, a good planner, by sitting down with people like yourselves, we're able to create a plan for people to get them to their goals. Right. So many people nowadays think that it's so far away and it's actually not if we put some good things in place for them. And I think that's important for people to understand. Yeah, it's, it's getting started that's usually the hardest part. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, once you start seeing a little bit of progress, I find it a lot easier to it's stick exciting. to what you're doing. Right? Yeah, definitely. I remember speaking to a mortgage broker years and years ago, mm -hmm. and he said, this was, rates were different, everything, but he said, for every $500 you have to put down or spend every month on a house, it's a, it was around, I think he said 200000 of purchasing power. So what is it now for 500 bucks a month, roughly? Yeah, off the top of my head, I think. Yeah. Are you talking about like monthly payments? So $500 a month in monthly payments, what does that get you for pur get purchase you? price? Um, so roughly. Roughly, I want to say... Is it like half of that, would you assume? I, I'm pretty sure right now... For every like five hundred grand that you borrow, depending on the interest rate, I want to see your payments around like twenty five hundred or three. Probably closer to three thousand. Three thousand. Okay. Bucks. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if we Crazy. divided that out. I mean, yeah, for five hundred bucks, yeah, I mean, you get what's that math? Under a hundred grand. Yeah. yeah. So half, less than half of what you said. Six wow. six hundred bucks would be a hundred grand if three thousand. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, my mental math's bad today. It's okay. Yeah, you guys are <laughs> one gonna, of us got You there. guys are going to fact check me after, and I'm going to be way off on the math here, <laughs> talking so certainly. You're going to get a whole bunch of comments. Yeah. Most of your math's wrong. Guy can't even math. <laughs> That's how you know they listened. It's okay. So yeah. yeah calculators and we verify everything we do. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, let's talk a little bit about downsizing. 
Yeah, we're talking about yeah. you know, going from you know X to Y, things getting bigger, but yeah. let's talk about the other way. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. Love it. Let's say now you've downsized, I don't know, awesome as a good example. Let's say townhouse to condo. Yeah, sure. maybe, or, or even or like a de- detached to maybe like a one level townhome or a condo or something yeah. like that. And you know, you're maybe sitting there with some additional money after mm-hmm. downsizing. Um, yeah, what do you? What are the strategies that you guys use with people, or some of the actionable items, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, for people that are kind of on that end of what they're doing, or like, and different ways that you can go that about investment into something? Yeah, because obviously there's different strategies, but sure. Um, obviously, people in that space typically are looking for safety, right. so you're not going to go anything high risk. You're not going to jeopardize them losing all this money in the next 10, 15 years, and they're probably going to need it. Right. Or maybe they're already retired and they want it as income. So you can use it as in an income fund. You can, um, what we love are, it's called seg funds, segregated funds. Yeah. And they're the same as mutual funds, except they're backed by life insurance. So if you're on that end and you don't have life insurance and you're concerned about how to pass this money on to the next generation, seg funds actually get paid out as long as you name a beneficiary, just like a life insurance product. So you have a TFSA and it's in seg funds and you pass away, it'll get paid as long as you've done it correctly to the beneficiary in 30 days. So it's bypassing probate. Yeah. Okay, so, so it doesn't go into the estate. I was going to say, so let's say now it's the opposite. It's mutual funds in my TSA. Yeah. Talk about some of the difficulties that kind of arise from that. Once you pass away. Yeah, once you pass away. Yeah, I mean, so there's a few ways we can approach it. But deemed disposition, yeah. most people have never heard of it. Mm-hmm. So that's your final tax bill. You pass away, the government still wants their money. So they're going to have assumed you sold everything you own the day before you pass away. And they're going to give your estate the final tax bill. So if you had a, a million dollars in assets, rough numbers, four fifty, five hundred thousand in, in tax bill, roughly, they're going to expect that payment before any of that um, estate, property, cash, investments are released. So even if you have a will, and this is something that people don't know, if you have a will, it doesn't kick in until the government gets their money. Yeah. So the government takes their cut and then the rest is released and divided as per the will. So in that case, let's yeah. say all of your assets that you own are in your home. Let's say it's a million-dollar home. Mm-hmm. How are they getting there? Well, unfortunately, that's why you see estate sales. Right. Mm-hmm. Because if the family cannot pay, the government seizes it, sells it, takes their money, and gives you what's left. Right. It's this, their terms. Yeah. yeah. This is a big thing that people yeah. don't understand. Yeah. When, especially when they're dealing with Maybe it's an aunt and uncle. They're dealing with a parent passing away. Like they don't understand how much the estate actually gets taxed. Yeah. And it's a big conversation that we end up having to have with people. And our goal is to save people from that. If I can save you from that headache by making sure proper beneficiaries are in place, making sure you understand how things will roll and won't roll. Yeah. Uh, obviously, there's different rules when it comes to spousal and what rolls over to a spouse, where you do and don't pay tax, all those kinds of things. But mm-hmm. it's a huge conversation that we have with people, and it's part of what we do with them so that they fully understand that. Um, but I feel like we've gotten away from, what was the original? Oh, downsizing. downsizing. That's what we were talking about. Sorry, Back to that downsizing. That's okay. That. Sorry, you can, no, 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 keep, no, 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 you can keep going. That's well, fine. What I want to ask again, though, because I've heard this term before. So with the TFSA, because we were talking about that. Yeah. There's something called a successor holder. Yes. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about that? Because I think that's really valuable for people to know. Yeah. So different from a beneficiary in the sense that they assume ownership of that. Right. So it, let's say Austin and his wife. Yeah. yeah. Let's say Austin and his wife both have TFSAs. Yeah. That's an example of how that would work for them. So it's, well, it's important to understand that it's a spouse. Yeah. So a successor yes. holder it's has to be a spouse. Be a child, right? Correct. It can't be anyone else. It can only be a spouse. Go ahead. 
Oh, taking on. over. All right. This so if I have a TFSA and Jeff has a TFSA yeah. and something happens and Jeff passes away, not only... It's always me. <laughs> you're the guy. Not the only <laughs> right, sorry. does his, uh, what's in the TFSA roll to me, but the room, the contribution contribution room will also roll Which over is, to me. Yeah. That's the big part. That yeah. is the big part. So it's not lost like in something else or if they're not assigned a successor holder. Yeah. So if he was not assigned or I was not assigned the successor holder, the money would roll over to me, but his contribution room would not. Right. So it's something for people to understand and it's... Yeah, and what happens yeah. in that case if, he, if you're not a successor holder? If you're a benefactor, you're still going to get the money, but you're right. not going to get the room. Right. That's yeah. the biggest difference. And if it rolls over, um, people don't know that if you go over your contribution room, you get a tax bill, yeah. mm -hmm. a big one. Exactly. Like they, they penalize you because they don't want you going over, right? They've, the government's capped it for a reason. Yeah. And so if you don't understand that piece and you roll it over into there, yeah, um, yeah they're going to send you a bill. So you got to be really yeah. careful around that one. A lot of people just don't understand these little nuances. Mm -hmm. And if we can sit down with them and help them figure this out, help them, like that's one of my biggest things is please go check all of your accounts. Yeah. Please, so if you have a spouse, check all of your accounts. Make sure that the spouse is properly named on the accounts. Right. The big ones, the little ones, all of them, because as soon as they're not, that's when a headache starts. Yeah. Right. That's good yeah. Uh, and I, oh, sorry. Now we can go back to downside. Okay. Unless you want to add something else there, sorry. Um, it's okay. It doesn't matter. Okay. When yeah, this train okay. goes off the rails, we just keep her going. <laughs> just Full keep driving ahead. that direction. No, no like that's where the, the best conversations come from. It's yeah. just, you know, suddenly picking your brain and being mm. able to add value. So that's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, downsizing. Let's yeah. go back to downsizing. Well, I think too, as you guys were talking earlier, I was thinking when it comes to the downsizing conversation, it's really very dependent on, like Jeff said, somebody's age. But oftentimes when we talk about downsizing, we're talking about people who are older, people who mm -hmm. are retiring, people right. who... But now there's big conversations starting to occur and we've had some of these conversations mm -hmm. around somebody who, like even us as an example who would consider downsizing because the equity you can take from the home. Oh, yeah. And younger people often think downsizing is going backwards. It's again, the keeping up with the Joneses. Oh, I'm taking a huge step back. What's that going to look like? Those sorts of things. But if I can quote unquote step like make cut what am I trying to say cut, step cut back your expenses, basically. cut my expenses yeah. especially now with so many people in variable mortgages you're cutting your expenses down you're taking advantage of that equity you can potentially take all that equity that you have from that home put it into a smaller place and now exactly you're cutting expenses you're putting yourself way ahead yeah. maybe you're some, maybe you're mortgage free exactly yeah, mortgage -free. and if your exactly. goal is freedom there you go yeah. well now that mortgage payment is now investment exactly, exactly. That $2,000, let's just take an example, is now investment. You got it. And with that too, I think, like if you're looking at like a detached home, mm -hmm. you know, maybe you have a larger lot, maybe you have, you know, driveway, garage, parking, all that kind of stuff, and you're yep. maybe looking at going to a like a larger townhome or something mm -hmm. like that. Yep. Sometimes you're getting the same square footage, and obviously there's strata fees associated with that, all that kind of stuff. But if you can make the math work and then, you know, have that difference that you would normally be paying towards mortgage and maybe yeah. get that to work for you in some of these different accounts or maybe you pick up an investment property or yeah. there's right how you invest you know talk to your whoever you feel comfortable with we're not here to tell you how to do that but right. once you start to move that around and, and you can start to leverage that for you maybe that can you know help build your portfolio exactly 100 yeah yeah well and if you can do something like that if you're in the position to downsize now you're potentially mortgage free like you said now you've got that couple thousand dollars a month not going towards a mortgage but now say i go and purchase 
a much smaller investment property. Right. So like you said, now I'm building my portfolio, but now maybe that investment property is either it's being paid for, it's paying for itself, yeah. or now I'm in a positive cash flow from that as well. Right. Now, because I made the decision to downsize myself, I've actually made the decision to get myself, what, 20, 30 years ahead. So depending on how, again, That's matter a of priorities, yeah. right? Yeah. No, I, yeah. I think it's really important to not look at it as only a negative thing. No, Correct. it's not at right. all. It's yeah. how you plan to utilize that equity. Yeah. I'm assuming that's the reason you're doing it. That's the key. Well, and I think piggybacking off of that, one of the trouble that we kind of see sometimes is people will, you know, say, hey, I, you know, I can't live in this home anymore. It's too big or yeah. it's too much work, all that kind of stuff. And they do downsize to the condo or downsize to the townhome and maybe they're sitting there with a large amount of money in a heaven forbid just a checking or a savings account right mm-hmm. and you talk to them it's like hey you know maybe you should look into doing x or doing y and they're like oh we just you know don't want the headache but mm-hmm. you know if you're wanting to reinvest that into real estate but you don't want to necessarily be like a full landlord or a tenant this is something we're talking to one of our other guests about kyle grant it's um you know you can you know, have somebody manage that long-term rental for you and obviously you're paying for that. But if that gives you the ease of mind and you feel that that is the best investment for you, Mm -hmm. as opposed to all that money sitting in account, if you can put a large portion, Mm -hmm. you know, into a property that's then going to be paying you monthly rental income or something like that, maybe that's a way for that to work for you. Again, talk to somebody else to see if that works. Now that's going to be the best option for you, but you know, don't just let that money sit there and no. not do anything for you because then it's shrinking, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, well, well, just with inflation, it's yeah. you're losing money. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, we can even, like, strategy-wise, we can even put someone in a, a high-interest savings account mm-hmm. so at least they're making a few percentage we're off of it. Up with they're keeping yeah. up or making we're somewhere. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Depending on their goals, we're going to evaluate that. But people don't get... Ev- the power necessarily of say you've got a few hundred thousand dollars and you just have it sitting there because you don't know what to do with it we can and it's take just it. subtracting yeah. yeah we can take it and put it somewhere there's there's all different strategies depending again on the person's timeline and stuff right. but put it somewhere where it's going to be making the money it's going to be keeping up like you said or making them more yeah. money and then while they're sitting on it at least it's doing something yeah. for yeah. them because you can get to a point and i think this is, should be everybody's objective yes. acquire enough assets that they will accumulation of wealth with those assets so by compounding yep. you can pay yourself every year enough to live exactly. at that point you, you are technically you don't have to work anymore exactly yeah. it's financial freedom yeah exactly so I, well, I couldn't think of that term it's okay <laughs> teamwork yeah well and you. I I always say to people think that retirement is an age and it's not it's a number correct and, and people, a feeling and a feeling yeah <laughs> feeling free uh, Some uh, people don't. yeah i'm done with this <laughs> yeah but it is it's a number it so like you exactly what you just said when we can get things working harder for you right. so that you're able to be paying yourself annually that there you go that's it and you yeah. can do it through investments you can do it through real estate there's lots of different ways exactly. but you need to think outside of the box mm-hmm. in order to be able to do those things and if you stay inside the box that our parents' generation and their parents' generation built for them, then yeah, life looks very different. Though. They could buy homes for It was yeah, different then. <laughs> they had, they had, six they, grand. They had three, six, you know, nine weeks to, to look at a place. Now it's like yeah. week and a half, two weeks. So do you like it? Yes or no? Because you got to pick right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My parents, actually, after my grandparents passed away, my mom was going through a bunch of old stuff. She actually found 
I don't know, what would it have been called, like the deed or whatever it was. The, yeah. the first purchase of their first home and their mortgage payment was $8. Oh. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? There's my Starbucks coffee yeah, right there, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but when you're making 40 bucks a week. Yeah, I think so. It's all relative. Yeah. It is. You still, like, if you take the numbers from the past, and then, like, yeah. past, like what's, mm-hmm. well, when would that have been, roughly? Oh, goodness. I don't know. 40s? 40s or 50s, yeah. Yeah. So Not 70 nuts. years ago. Yeah. You compare those numbers even to today, like there is still a discrepancy, even though yeah. it didn't seem like it was so much cheaper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, like relatively. Looking back, it's easy to say. Yeah. Yeah. But you still kind of have to look at the comparison of, okay, how much am I actually making? Mm-hmm. But interest was 20%. I know. Yeah. That did happen when yeah. we were kids, yeah. That's true. Yeah. 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 And that's the other thing, too, to pay attention to. And we can talk about it a little bit, but people get freaked out. I think you guys have probably dealt with this too, yeah. where they get freaked out by, oh, 2008 happened, and oh, yeah. the market crashed, and oh, this happened. And, but if you zoom out and you exactly. look at those market trends and you look at it, always recovers. It always goes up. There's always a good yeah, totally. upward trend happening. Yeah. And we point that out to people as well, show that to people, because they don't always get it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, as Jeff was saying before, they, or he was asking about before, they've put in place things now that are supposed to protect against mm-hmm. 2008 happening. Yeah. So that people aren't defaulting on their mortgages. Because I mean, it's funny though, because we're in a situation now where, like, if all these homes, if all these people defaulted on their mortgages, isn't there all these other people that would just come in possibly and scoop them up? Possibly. Right? Like, that's because that whole supply and demand thing. Like, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens over the next couple of years with interest rates and stuff. Especially if they're all on sale. Well, that's what I'm saying. Right? Just want to sell them for what's owed? Yeah, supply all of a sudden goes way up. What's going to happen then? That's right. One thing though, to go back to the financial freedom piece. Yeah. Yeah. When we're sitting down with people, one of the things we will actually do as part of the process is find out for them what their number is. Okay. How do you figure that out? Financial independence number. Yeah. Yeah. So it's how much do you need to comfortably live every month? Yeah. Right? And then you what's the percentage you use as a six. Six. There you go. So six percent compounding annually. Which is very like reasonable. Very reasonable. And if you can make that on X amount, yeah. it'll pay you what you need to live every month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how do we get there? Then we build the strategy of, say you need three million bucks. How do we get there? What have you got? Maybe part of it is you're, you're you know, 31, 32, yeah. you've got a house. So the plan is, you know, decades long, but then you can sell the house. Mm-hmm. You can invest whatever's left down the road. And then that becomes part of the plan, part of that nest egg, that number right. to start yeah. paying you monthly. Yeah, for sure. And we do this with life insurance as well. Part of the piece when we're figuring things out for people is, heaven forbid somebody passes away how do we pay out the home pay out the debts pay out those things what's left over that we can then turn around invest say we're getting you a very modest six percent here's the payout you'd be getting can you live off of that and if the answer is no then we adjust the number yeah yeah Yeah. make sure people are properly protected so that's right there's i mean really at the end of the day there's a lot of different strategies and we need to sit down with someone and have the conversation in order to figure out what's best for them Yeah. yeah when it comes to the topics that we discussed today do you guys have any questions for us related to those? Yes, we're putting you on the spot here. No, this is good. <laughs> Where's the question? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes is the answer. I, I shall give you an opportunity to ask. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Do you have any? Because I'm I'm blanking. Well, now they're going to edit I ask, this right out. <laughs> I know. That's fine. That's fine. Jeff did ask me a good question. A good question. Trades, yeah, so there. Yeah. So let me ask Austin a question. Somebody comes to you. They want to downsize, but they're not really sure what they want, like how they want to downsize. Let's say they own a detached home. What are like what kind of process are you going to take them through to figure out what they actually want? That was my question. 
Good question. Look at you guys. Sharing brains over there. Um, yeah, no, uh, I, I think the, the big thing is what are, why are they downsizing, Okay, I guess. Mm-hmm. Is it an expenses thing? Is it a, you know, heaven forbid somebody somebody passed away and then there's just one income? Yeah. You know, um, is it a, I can't maintain my yard anymore? I don't need all this space. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So those are the types of questions we ask. And it's like, okay, so if, if this isn't working for you right now, what do you think will work for you right now? Yeah. Oh, well, you know, I like the idea of a, a ground floor condo that's close to shopping. So then maybe I don't have to drive as much. Or, you know, there is some places that have, you know, staff, like, um, I don't want to call it assisted living, but, um, you know, there's different, even stratified properties you can have where there's employees and people mm-hmm. there that you, can, right. you can live in. Um, so there's there's different options like that that I don't think people are aware of. Um, yeah, it, it really depends on what their what their next step looks like and, and how long they they want to be there. You know, some people we, we talk to and it's like, hey, you know, I could probably do a townhome uh, or something, but then after that, I might need to move to a condo. And like you said, mm-hmm. you're you're asking, do you want to just skip that step so yeah. that you don't have to move twice? I'm not here to make that decision for them. That's but honest being, that's awesome being a good realtor because he gets two transactions out of that. <laughs> like honestly though, like that's you being a good realtor. And I, I mean yeah. that wholeheartedly. Like, yeah. It's finding out what your clients want, not necessarily doing what's best for them kind of, and also what's best for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it's important to ask those questions because that also helps us give advice mm-hmm. as well yeah. as, you know, direct effectively. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, in a perfect world, like we joke about this all the time, like moving is one of the most stressful things you can do. Yeah. And obviously you're talking about like transactions associated with that, but if you can help people feel at home, mm-hmm. that that's what's most important, exactly. right? And mm-hmm. not having to do that twice, because I mean, what happens if maybe they plan on downsizing to the townhome and then, you know, a couple of years later, if they were hoping to do that 10 years later, what if three years later they got to do that? Then yeah. that's completely different. Um, right. It's about finding what's going to work for them. So maybe by skipping the step, maybe they're getting a little bit of a bigger condo or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Different options. It's just super important to uh, ask questions and that will help direct you with the information that that you give. You Mm -hmm. give them all the options and ultimately you let them make the decision. What's going to be best for you? What makes Mm -hmm. the most sense? Mm -hmm. Um, And ultimately it's their decision to make. Yeah. And I think what Austin just said applies to all of us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's empowering them to make the decision. And yes. Because I mean, you guys probably get these questions a lot too. It's like, what would you do? It's like, yeah. well, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not you. Like, I That's can't. Right. Yeah. Based on your information, here's some things that we could do. Yeah. But I need you to make that decision because at the end of the day, you have to go make that yeah. decision. Yeah. Empower them with the information, and yeah. it's up to them, right? Can I add in here too, Please. as well, for people that are listening and they're thinking maybe it's time to talk to a real estate agent, you know, mortgage broker, a financial broker, like whatever it may be ask those people the good and the bad yeah and if you have somebody who's unwilling to give you both sides Mm -hmm. run (laughs) (laughs) you know have somebody who's willing to have your client's best interest at heart obviously it's still business it's still those kinds of things but if if they can't give you those really honest answers of this is the good of it this is the bad of it you know if, if austin's showing me a home and i'm like what's the upside and the downside to this home and he can't tell me question that if you're sitting down with someone yeah. like myself as a broker and I'm really trying to push you towards this one account and this one thing and mm-hmm. I can't give you the pros and cons right. again ask the questions I think it's super important for people yeah and yeah ask for a second opinion as well yeah. when people say to us oh well why would I work with you or 
um, you know, can I get a second opinion? Or for some people it is that I am their second opinion. That's okay too, because mm. people need to be really comfortable with the decisions that they're making. Yeah. So I think that's a huge one too. Yeah. yeah. Clients definitely hold more power than a lot of them think they do. And yeah. I think it's up to us to empower them to understand yes. that. 100%. Right? Yeah. And it's not us. Like one thing I think is really important is if you don't know the answer, like mm. if you don't know the answer, mm. that's okay. Yeah. Yes. That's better than being told something that isn't, you know, yeah, like yeah. I'm going to go find that answer for you yes. and I'm going to get it to you as soon as I can. That's right. I'm not going to tell you right now because I don't know with certainty. I don't want you to go off and then tell somebody else I told you this. And, you know, like that can get messy yeah. pretty quickly. Yeah. And I think there's people that are guilty of just trying to give an answer because they feel like they have to. Yes. Well, and I, and I think with this too, it, it reminds me of something that Cody says all the time. It's like, well, I talked to my friend and they said that this or they said that. And it's <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, maybe based off of their situation that was the advice that was given right yeah. um so i know cody's not here today but i had to get his had to get his, his yeah i had to get his go-to <laughs> scenario that he talks about so yeah um i think that to kind of recap and come full circle it's so important yeah. to you know get that second opinion ask those questions be yeah. transparent when you are you know meeting with these people because you know just like what you guys say all the time if you have somebody that comes to you and isn't honest with their situation right they're not going to get the advice that ultimately helps them fix what their you know problem or their yeah. concern is so yeah. if you can be transparent and direct everything so much better yeah i do have a question okay Ooh, there you go yeah so what do you do if you're someone's come to you and they said this is my budget you look at a home it's perfect home you make an offer it's accepted then you find out they haven't actually gone for financing uh, they can't get approved but it's an accepted offer what happens um so first off um yeah. i'm typically you know, in touch with uh, or making sure that we have verification that they are okay, actually pre-approved. Okay. Um, that's kind of the pre, pre-screening process of like, hey, who are you chatting with? Just want to make sure that we're all on the same page um, because that's the last thing you want is to go yeah. out shopping mm-hmm. before you know your budget. Right. Um, obviously, with an accepted offer, we would probably be verifying that or, you know, trying to have a subject to financing, mm-hmm. uh, of course, mm-hmm. um, you know, as many conditions as possible. Um, and just making sure you're thorough, yeah. um, that would be a big problem. Yes, it would. It's <laughs> what I'm. Uh, is what I'm thinking. The yeah. scenario going through my brain is like, oh, oh, yeah. like that. <laughs> so, so you do confirm you you'll go out and you'll do your own research on their behalf. No, so so uh, typically what I'm asking is, hey, you know, who is the you know, are you pre-approved? Are you working with a mortgage broker? And yep. typically they'll say like, oh, so and so. You know, we're not able to share like privacy details between a mortgage broker and like Cole can't say, hey, so this is our client and this is their budget and this is their mm-hmm. income. He's not allowed to share that with okay. me because of because of privacy. Okay. Um, but what they can say is, hey, you know, we've been through the process. You know, they are in a position where they can actually go looking at places. Mm-hmm. Um, they share, like the client would be sharing their budget, you know, obviously with me and, yeah. and some of those details. Um, and, you know, that's when we set up that search criteria. Makes Got sense. it. Um, and of course, if they don't get financing, then and we have a subject to financing, we're not getting financing. So in that position, the offer would collapse. Got it. Um, so you would never get to an accepted offer with no financing, is what you're saying. I sure hope you would. <laughs> yeah, it'd be hard. Like somebody would have had, like for example, like I'll put myself in the spot. Like I would have to outright lie to you on both. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Like, and that could happen technically. And there is like there is things in place to protect that. Like there's rescission. Like, yeah. It's available. Okay. Things available to protect against that, but yeah. I mean, that's when you're committing fraud at that point, right? Yeah. And then you could go after me for something like that. But mm-hmm. yeah, I would say, from my experience in just working with Austin, like 
he's diligent in the fact that like he wants to know that what you're shopping for is in your budget. Right. Mm -hmm. There, sense. there's nothing worse than than looking at places that you fall in love with and then find out that it's not going to be in the. Yeah. It's not going to be right now. Doesn't mean never. Just not right now. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's super. It's so important, especially yeah. in a market that we're potentially getting into where things are going to be moving. We feel quickly. We feel like mm -hmm. things are picking up. You, yeah. you just really got to be on point. So. Makes and organized. To tie kind of together the reason why, say, somebody would end up working with like a financial broker and a mortgage broker, yeah. um, because I think ultimately that's a little bit of, of what we're looking at here. What was my question? I was like, I had such a good question and now it's gone. Oh, integration. Say somebody, they come to you guys, they are wanting to purchase, but as you're going through numbers and stuff, their debt servicing is too high. Yeah, that happens all the time. All the time. So then, what does the process look like? Are you sending them to work with someone like us who can help them out with that? Are you yeah. are you just sending them to Austin saying, "Hey, let's drop what they can look at"? What does that process look like for people? Because I think that is a fear for people. Yeah, that's a, that's yeah. a really good question. So it depends, and it goes back to what I said before, like in terms of down payment, because mm -hmm. down payment amount is gonna definitely affect your possibilities. Okay. So when we talked about debt servicing, mm -hmm. if you have that twenty percent down payment, we have a lot more. Okay. If you don't cool. have that twenty percent down payment, now it's like, okay, how can we, how can we get you that down payment, mm -hmm. yeah. which is possible in some cases, and I can be borrowed from, not borrowed, I shouldn't say borrowed, gifted. In, there you go. In most cases, mm -hmm. from like a parent, um, early inheritance is a common thing you see nowadays. Mm -hmm. Parents will give money ahead of time. Interesting. As because I mean, buying a home is difficult for a lot of kids. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. They can help their kids get into a home, and it also means they get out of there. <laughs> Get that out of there. There's some incentive to do yeah. that, right? right. Um, well, and even with that too, you know, we were chatting earlier this week about a lot more people using things like reverse mortgages to, yeah, you know, exactly. to help people get into places now. Oh yeah. Um, as opposed to you know, and that's later. a great example. That's a great yeah, example. That's yeah. a really good example of getting equity out of. Let's say you guys take equity out of your home, and then you can utilize that money to give to your kids for their down payment, mm -hmm. and then they can get the numbers to where they need them to be. Okay. Hmm. Um, Again, because gross, going back to gross debt servicing, is doesn't like all the other debts don't really matter in that case. It right. really comes down to income, and it, you can't create income out of thin air. It's funny that since I talked about this right before this, it's just funny. Yeah, um, you can't create income out of thin air, right? Mm -hmm. So you are limited by that income. But mm -hmm. what you can do is you can increase your income. Like, yeah. mm -hmm. And now that the time horizon for that is now pushed back, of course, right? Yeah. You can't prove that you're making more income just like that. Like you need some time. That, um, but then from the other side, it's it's yeah, it's consult not consolidating that debt, but eliminating some of that debt so mm -hmm. that you can get closer to those numbers you're looking for. Okay. Um, and yeah, that's and that is working with somebody like yourselves where we go, okay, this is where they're at right now. This is where we need to be. Let's work together and get them there. Well, yeah. and, and and with that too, one thing I think about a lot, piggybacking off of that is, I think it's a lot easier to make an extra ten grand than save an extra 10 grand mm -hmm. yeah uh, and what i mean by that is hey you know maybe you're picking up that extra shift at work or maybe you're getting that part-time job side hustle or maybe you're starting your own business that you know even if you're only doing like gross ten thousand dollars in business depending on what your expenses are like that that can start to add up quick yeah. uh, as opposed to yeah. you know how many five dollar coffees is it going to take to save ten thousand dollars <laughs> yeah i'm making another starbucks joke here um but it's a um, lot of coffee yeah um that's something I often think about and obviously I'm not in a position to tell people, oh, well, you know, you should get a part-time job and that'll help you save up for your down payment. Like that's not the conversations I'm having with clients. Yeah. Right. That's just something I think about often. Yeah. yeah. 
And then I just wanted to touch on the last part. So like, yeah, we would, let's say we can qualify them for not as much as they want. And then we communicate that to them and say, hey, look, this is what you can do right now. If this isn't where, if this isn't the amount you're hoping for in order to get what you're looking for, mm-hmm. you have to decide if you're willing to wait. Because at yeah. that point you can't, again, you can't create income out of thin air. Yeah. Um, there's one more thing I wanted to say, but I forget now. Yeah, well, I, I think what you were probably gonna say there is, you know, do you wanna pivot what you're looking for or do you wanna right. wait? Mm. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So maybe the two bedroom plus den condo isn't your thing, but you can get into a one bedroom. And that at least gets you into a place that you can start, you know, building equity in and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. And actually, yeah, I do remember what I was going to say. So there's the other side of it too, is like there's the credit side of it. Mm-hmm. Like people have damaged credit or bruised credit for whatever things, and we're not judgmental of any of that, but yep. that can affect who they can, who, who will lend them money. Yeah. So in those cases, that's when we would especially want to work with financial brokers because we can work together to, to get that credit back on track. Mm-hmm. That's right. If we can get that credit history over the past two years to be back to a level that lenders can be like, okay, this person has proven that they can pay their debts mm-hmm. on time. Yep. Now we can get into those better options when it comes to rates and stuff. So that's where you and I can really work together well. Yeah. Because like that. That, that affects how much it's going to cost them interest rate wise. Right. Right. Exactly. On their exactly. mortgage. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Because you're going to pay more because you don't have as good of a history of paying back your debts. That's really what it comes down to. Yeah. More of a risk. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah exactly. Makes sense to me. Yeah. I got one more question to ask you guys, completely unrelated to everything. Okay. Good. I'm trying to ask all of our guests this. <laughs> you know what question? Oh, I know. I know what question. So, uh, this, isn't for, this isn't for the vegans. So, oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, are you vegan? No. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I like that you looked at me. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh my God. Just based on your reaction, I was I'm like, what is this question? Okay. So, chicken Here wings, right. do you prefer the drums or the flats? Drums. Drums? Okay. How about you? Drums. Okay. That's it. Why? That's the only question. I just want to know. Are we having wings? No. Oh. Now, now I, I thought you were going to go like spicy or no, yeah. salt just, pepper. I just want to see the differences. We've been asking some of our guests that. So. Please rank all of the possible wing flavors yeah. out there from one to a hundred. <laughs> Who <laughs> picks like the, the flat ones don't have as much meat on them. Who picks that? I'm surprised that? a lot of people do. Because really? they have like what more is the of the like, skin and more of the like. I prefer the drums honestly. Yeah. They're, they're easier to eat. I like all of them. <laughs> Apparently, we're over wings out. Right? <laughs> I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank Thanks you guys for guys. carving out another hour of your time to yeah. connect with us and, and chat with us and, and our listeners. We really appreciate it. Thanks for uh, having us. We'll definitely have you guys on again. Sounds great. Uh, we're Happy excited to. about that. And uh, if you guys have any questions for Jen and Jeff, make sure to reach out to them. Uh, or you guys can send it in to us and uh, we'll put it in our next mailbag. Yeah. Absolutely. Sounds good. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks, guys. Thank you.